Welcome to the Called Women podcast, a dedicated space for women ready to venture beyond the familiar and embrace the whispers of their true calling. I am your host, Natasha Miller. Join me as we dive into remarkable stories of resilience, celebrating the beauty of blooming in our own time and navigating the sometimes uncertain path to purpose. This podcast is more than an invitation for you to simply step into your unique place in God's story. This is a sacred space where your gifts are not just celebrated, but are needed. So I encourage you not to simply listen, but actively embrace the journey ahead where every episode we are specifically creating for you to make that step closer to fully realizing the extraordinary calling that awaits you. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share a quick secret with you. We have a monthly private episode for women who are subscribed to our weekly free newsletter. So I wanna make sure that you're a part of this community because when you are a part of the newsletter, you're able to submit questions where I will personally answer them on a private episode. So if you have questions about your calling, something you wanna be coached through, or if you simply need some encouragement, you wanna make sure that you are a part of the newsletter community. Remember, this podcast isn't my podcast. This is our podcast. And I want you to get your personal questions answered. The link to subscribe to that free newsletter is in the show notes. It's also pinned in our free Facebook community. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Called Woman podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Miller. I am so excited about today's conversation with my dear friend and sister, Cherie Dorsett. Um, And before I bring her on, I want to give you guys an official bio of who she is. So Cherie Dorsett is an author. She's a pastor, a podcast host, and the founder of Girl Get Up. And if I were to share personal sentiments of her, Um, is that she is a friend. She's a sister. She is a woman that is willing to go to bat for you. She's loyal. She's constant. She's consistent. She's real. She's authentic. And she's a gift. And it's my honor and my treat to have her come on. Um, And you guys are going to get a lot of good nuggets, um, you know, as she shares her journey. So Cherie, welcome to the Called Women Podcast. Yay. Congratulations. First of all, I'm so excited for you. This is going to be amazing. (laughs) Yes. I'm so excited that you get to be on some of the beginning conversations of the podcast. And my heart is really to bring on women from all different walks of life um, and bring on to share their different journeys um, with the Lord. And you have had such an exciting, exhilarating, hard, but beautiful journey with the Lord. So I'd love for you to just bring me, you know, bring our listeners into your beginning stages of learning who God is to you. Wow. Um, there was a word that you said that stuck out is, is hard. <clears throat> um, and I probably made it hard, right? Like God never wants our journeys to be as detoured as we kind of create them to be. But a little bit of my backdrop story is that I was raised in a Christian home, two-parent home. 
Um, half my life, my father was a pastor, an elder in the church. So we were those kids that was in church seven days a week. <laughs> and at some point in my life, I remember just really not understanding this God thing, actually almost rejecting it because of how it was displayed to me. And that was around the age of 17 years old. And I'll say from the age of 17 to 23, I pretty much just lived a a godless life. Let's just say that. I'm just, I'm really glad that there's no social media back then <laughs> or videos to kind of really capture what the, that life looked like. But uh, let's say I created a lot of scars, um, you know, a young woman being thrown into a world that is ready to eat you up, so to speak. Um, there were a lot of scars in that, you know, seven year period of my life that were created and um, which landed me in the position where, and I'm skipping over a lot for the sake of time, but I remember a very pivotal point in my life where I encountered God when I became pregnant with my son, actually, and I was 24 years old and I hit the end of myself, right? Or, or the end of whatever that season was. And it was something really pivotal and in a sense, miraculous to me um, that when I became pregnant with him, it was just like this God revelation that I can't transfer all this mess to him, to this beautiful unborn child that I'm carrying. And it was it was definitely um, a God encounter moment. It was whatever you want to say, the lights turned on. And it was at that moment that I remember crying out to God saying, I need you. And so there's a scripture that says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. And I am a testimony of that because my parents gave me the word when I was young. They trained me in the things of God. And even though at some point I turned away from it, it was at the age of 24 that I started remembering the teachings of old. Um, I remember, you know, the teachings that God is a father, um, that he'll never leave you or forsake you. And all that stuff just began to flood my heart. And um, I made my journey trajectory back to the local church. And um, it really was the foundation and the baseline for me rededicating my heart to the Lord. And I said this yesterday, a lot of people say that sinners prayer, but they never make Jesus Lord. And so in the past, I, I said this in his prayer probably many, many times. I think I got baptized three times, but it really truly was at the age of 24 that I decided, I said, I want to make you Lord of my life and Lord of my decisions. And so that was a very pivotal point in my life at that point. Mm, there's so many beautiful things that you shared uh, in regards to the season that you went through, right? Before you got pregnant with your son and even how you being pregnant with him awakened this deeper desire for living. And it also, you know, planted that seed in your heart of like, oh my gosh, I have another human being that is relying on me. Therefore, I want to be the best version of myself that I could be. And I, and I know that a lot of our listeners right now, they're either you know, in the same season that you once walked through, or maybe they are a mother and their children are older, and maybe they have not come into that realization that, oh my gosh, I need to make sure that I walk in a level of healing so that I don't repeat, you know, the same mistakes. And I know that you really have a heart for families as well. You have a heart 
for mothers. You have um, a heart for spiritual legacy within families. And because of that desire and heart and conviction that you have, you wrote a whole book, right, on equipping parents on how to equip their children on how to fight spiritually. So would you mind even sharing a bit of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So my son's now 20. He's a junior in college. Mm -hmm. But um, when he was two years old, uh, he became he came under what we call demonic attack. And at that Mm -hmm. time, I knew nothing about spiritual warfare. I knew nothing about principalities, powers, rulers, anything demonic in nature. Matter of fact, I was afraid of it. If anyone even mentioned anything about the deliverance, I'm like, I'm out. (laughs) That is not my call. That is, I don't even want to hear about it. Um, And so when my son was two years old, I was, I happened at the time to be pregnant actually with my second, my daughter. And um, it started with him waking up in the middle of the night with night terrors. Um, and not just normal mm-hmm. nightmares, not just, you know, you can go back to sleep. Um, I mean, the terrors where he would, he would just, uh, he couldn't go back to sleep. He, he was unconsolable. Um, and so we ended up taking him to the physician and the physician said to us, yep, this is that around the age two or three where children mm-hmm. um, typically have night terrors. And, and it gave me a natural routine. And leaving the doctor's office, to be honest, like it, it just didn't feel right. I understood what the doctor was naturally mm-hmm. telling me, but you had to be in the room. You had to experience it or to see his face to really understand the level mm-hmm. of terror. And so at that time, I didn't know what else to do. So I just, you know, did what the doctor said um, and they didn't stop. Um, there were periods where sometimes he would wake up and he would tell me a nightmare the best he could at two years old. I mean, you know, the best he could articulate at two and he would have, he would wake up with scratches on his arm. Um, He would Mm. point to the closet, you know, it's in there. Um, He, whatever he felt like he was seeing was so real to him. And um, I remember this proceeded uh, almost 10 nights in a row. And somewhere Mm. in those 10 nights, I remember being exacerbated, tired, pregnant, and praying, just asking God, like, what is this, right? Um, And I remember one night, it was probably like on the eighth or ninth night, and I'm angry at this point. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm praying, I'm asking God for something. I'm not getting anything. My husband, we're all just, you know, at one point we were fasting and we're not getting anything. And there was this one particular night where I was praying and I heard the Lord say, he's not lying, teach his hands Mm -hmm. to war. Now, that Mm -hmm. sounds like a line out of some kind of movie, but I was like, what? Like, what? What does that even mean? I don't even know how to war. (laughs) You know, at this point, I was literally one of those people Mm -hmm. where God was teaching me in battle. You know, so every day it it was one thing or another. And um, I remembered at that time, there was this little book that I had bought, never read. And it was by Cindy Cindy Trim, excuse me, Dr. Cindy Trim. And it was uh, Rules of Engagement. And I really felt Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit said to pick up that book. So I went and got the book. And every time he would wake up with a nightmare, um, I would just walk the halls and reading this book. Mm-hmm. And, and it was nothing deep. I literally was scared myself. <laughs> and I had I, yeah. it wasn't even with no power or authority. It, it was with timidity. Listen, and I'm walking and I, I am a, you know, I'm a seer. I'm a feeler in the spirit realm. Yeah. And before my gifts were developed, I still could feel. So I'm walking the halls mm-hmm. and feeling just this eerie presence. And so much. Mm-hmm. 
much of those nights was me just doing it out of obedience. And um, Mm. it started with God saying to me that um, to train him up. And to me, that just simply meant teach him a scripture, right? So his first scripture, he's now 20, but the first scripture that he ever learned was um, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And so it is the funniest thing. If you could just imagine telling a two-year-old, okay, the next time you see something in your room, I want you to jump up and say no weapon formed. And so little did I know that I am actually teaching him spiritual warfare, how to combat the enemy, how to give the enemy the word. And so uh, long story short, this proceeded and uh, we ended up starting, we, we got victory over um, that, I'll call it night terror, but um, that was not the first uh, battle that we would experience, especially with my son mm-hmm. and my children. Mm-hmm. And so Small But Mighty is a book that really documents about 12 years of my parenting journey of teaching predominantly my son, but then ultimately my my girls, uh, what spiritual warfare looks like? What does it look like for the enemy to combat your mind? And what are you doing in the natural to combat that? Mm-hmm. Um, it even talks about bullying, night terrors, um, opening mm-hmm. up doors, uh, how many times we open up doors in our life to the enemy. We don't even mm-hmm. realize that's what we're doing. And so truly yeah. it is a book to equip I'll say not just parents, Mm -hmm. Sunday school teachers. I have psychologists actually using this book. Um, It teaches Mm -hmm. you first spiritual warfare. So you then can give your children activations in the word of God to Mm -hmm. stand. No, that's so good (laughs) as you were sharing about, because I think too, as parents, we can feel like just uh, overwhelmed or just like, oh my gosh, how how can I equip my child, you know, to do something that I'm still learning how to do for myself? (laughs) It's a real thing. Because when you were sharing that, I was like, Oh my gosh, there's been times too, where they're like, mommy, I'm scared. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But I think with you just even sharing how the book came about and how you were brave enough to say, okay, God, I'm just going to be obedient. And I'm going to trust you with that and knowing that, okay, just like, you know, my son is a child. He's my baby. I am also your child. I'm also your baby. And you're wanting to equip us both in this time to bring comfort and to know now that your son that's 20 years old is on fire for the Lord. And he's now leading a generation of young people that are fighting one of, I would say, the most craziest spiritual battles of our lifetime right now with what's happening in the world. And as you were talking about um, how you learned, you know, through that process, what doors have been opened and how to close those doors. And even just with your experience in ministry, your experience in mentoring women um, and mentoring your own daughters, what are some, some common doors that are opened in the lives of women? that you have consistently come across? Yeah, so, you know, I I say this saying a lot, the enemy's job, you know, is to still kill and destroy. And the interesting thing about that I have seen and just studied over the years is that if if the enemy can get a hold of our hearts and minds young, then his plan is to undo the promises and the call on our life when we're older. That's why many adults, if you do counseling and even deliverance and inner healing, they're really just trying to get over childhood traumas. They're really trying to get over childhood 
abuses and, and identities or lack thereof. And so there, there are major commonalities that I see with ministering just to people, but specifically with women is there's this, there's this seed of rejection that is birthed out of trauma um, and rejection. I say this a lot, like a, a rejection and abandonment are twins, but they also are, I'll just say maybe a triplet to the spirit of fear. And so most of the time you see a lot of women, they're dealing with rejection, abandonment, fear, fear of abandonment and fear. And so a lot of times when we're, when I'm doing counseling or even if I'm having a conversation, I'm searching that conversation for the root cause um, of, of, of the symptoms that they're experiencing. And nine times out of 10, it is some kind of fear. And so, you know, this is this thing. One of the things I was, that was me. That was my journey. I used to call myself the most rejected person. I just felt like any and everywhere I went, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a job, I just felt like the spirit of rejection just followed me and just labeled me, so to speak. And so most of my young adult life growing into my adulthood, I just lived simply in fear. And there's a scripture that says that 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 his love cast out all fear and there's something about love being the opposite of fear <laughs> it's so powerful because it, when people say well if what was the number one thing that got you to the place where you're standing strong in your call it was the revelation of god's love for me if 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 Father God is all knowing and He knew me in my most broken, disgusting, foul place, He knew He knows my inward thoughts as horrible as they are, and yet He still wants me, and yet He still loves me and wants to use me. Like mind blowing. No, when you were talking about <laughs> the twins or the triplets with the rejection, the abandonment, and the fear. I know that that is something that I have constantly had to work yeah. through in my life, right? To where I think just even in our society today, and I think with women in particular, it's so easy for us to, you know, compare. It's so easy for us to look, oh, this person has longer hair than I. This person is getting more looks from the guys. This person is getting more likes on social media. So yeah. what's wrong with me? And I think that that definitely, you know, prevents where if the enemy does get a hold of that at a young age, it does ultimately, it can take you off of the journey and the plan that God Absolutely. has for you, right? To where you end up becoming stuck. And frozen. And <laughs> there is- Frozen. <laughs> you come frozen. And I think that mm -hmm. even as you were like talking about rejection and abandonment and how when you're in conversations with women and you're mentoring you know people that you look for that through their language so what would you say because when you're living in a place of rejection and abandonment for so long it becomes so normal to where it yeah. it can simply become a part of your identity to where you're not even able to discern if it's rejection or not it becomes your truth so it's true for like listeners right now like what are, you know, the signs are the glaring sides, the uh, glaring signs that this still is kind of a stronghold, you know, in your life. And then what would you recommend 
that woman to do? Yeah. So I, I'm going to have to look at my own journey. And my husband has been such a godsend to me. He's been a tool, literally, that God used this set of acts to a lot of the the trauma and, and the fear and the rejection. Um, and so for me, it, the first thing that I had to do was acknowledge that I am dealing with this fear, right? Because what we're not aware of, we, it's hard for us to get delivered from, or we can't renounce what we don't accept is infiltrating our life, right? And so some of the things that I that are repetitive is uh, that fear factor, like, well, what if, you know, there's this one young lady that comes to mind. I'm like, girl, you are ready. I'm going to put you up for our next girl get up. And oh, no, I'm not ready. You know, well, well what if, you know, it doesn't come to mind? Or what if I can't get my scriptures together? Or what if they don't understand me? I hear a lot of what ifs, right? And so the enemy likes to illegally impregnate our mind with these false images of us failing, Right. Or these these false lies of of us not hitting the mark. And um, so I, I hear that a lot, like it's these fear uh, statements. Um, and, and yes, I do believe in preparation and training. But um, when someone has been 10 years <laughs> in trying to figure out a message, girl, you ready? Just get up and do it. <laughs> Ten, you know, and, 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 and many times God equips us as we go. I'm the kind of person, I'm a very A-type personality. I want things decent in order and excellence. And that has been a stumbling block for me because you'll rely on what you can produce in your own strength outside of the reliance of the what the Holy Spirit can produce in you in a moment. You know, if you, when we open our mouth out of trusting God, he will fill it and give us the words that those people need. And so a lot of the what I see resounding again is these fear statements, these what if um, failure statements um, and just honestly, just not uh, just hearing this self image that says that I'm just this resounding. And I did this. We are more than what happened to us. So many times because we've been broken, we, we identify ourselves with the brokenness. Right. And so I went through a period of years, uh, three years of physically an abusive relationship and so the detriment of that relationship for me coming out of it was that, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy. I'm not worth it. Um, what do I have to offer? Like, who's going to listen to me? Like, who's going to listen to someone that let them abuse them for three years? So these were the lies that the enemy used in my life for so long. And until I could allow through the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth of God's word to begin wrangling in every lie, I remained frozen. And so the discovery, the Holy Spirit is so important to say that's a lie. That's a lie that you're believing. And then what does the word say about that? Or what does the word say about you? Yes. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, the deception, right, of the enemy and just even how when you are not sharing, even like what you're processing and what you're thinking, if you're keeping it all in your head, if you're continuing to meditate on those lies, like that is what the enemy wants you to do. Because the thing is, is, you know, God is not putting 
those words in your head. Like you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're no good. Nobody's going to listen to you. That is the enemy. And I think too, with even with what you're sharing, I really sense from the Lord that he is, is really wanting women, you know, to be able to discern who he is and who the enemy is. And the only way to really identify that, like you just shared, is you have to, um, you have to be in the word of God and you have to invite the Holy Spirit into your life so that you can be able to like recognize because the enemy, he's real sly, right? If you're having a bad day, he knows your cycles. He knows your, you know, um, your weaknesses. So he's going to play on that. Um, so I think just even with you sharing that, what, because one thing I love about you is that even as you talk, there's always just this spirit of intimacy with the Lord that I always, you know, sense from the words that you speak, right? Because I know that your journey has not been perfect and that the enemy would have loved for you to not be doing what you're doing. Um, but, but I know that what has been your superpower or the thing that you have cleaved to has been that, that, that friendship, um, that intimacy with the Lord and, how have you been able to really keep that sacred in your life amongst like all of the different roles and responsibilities that you have? Like what is the key to that for you in being able to stay close to the father in every, you know, season? And I know it hasn't been perfect, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure the listeners right now are like, she knows the Lord, you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't just a play. Like, she knows who he is. So uh, bring us into that. You know, I, I grew up in a religion, in a religious way where God is not close. You know, I, the teachings of my, of my youth or just even in the church was not that he is closer than close. He's closer than the air that I breathe. Um, that was something, an encounter with God, um, him showing himself that way to me. So let me, let me back up in order for me to do anything that I do. I can't do it outside of the empowerment of the Holy spirit or the closeness and the grace of God. I I know that I, I say this all the time, me, I don't know. Some people are just nice people. Even if they're not saved, not me. <laughs> like I am not, I'm a horrible wife. I'm a horrible mother. I'm a horrible worker. I, I really believe that. Listen, and I don't, I, this is me being honest. I know myself. That is something I've always been very aware of. I, outside of the word of God and intentionally saying, I want to live this thing called, you know, the way of Christ. I'm not a nice person and I'm not a happy person. I'm miserable. I did it. I tried it. So for me, um, this thing of inviting Holy Spirit into every moment of my life is not like a nice to have. It, I have practiced it to the point where I know without him, I can't survive. And, and so because I know what it's like to live without the Holy Spirit's voice. And so let me let me even say it like this. So recently I'll share, you know, I want to say about five years ago, I was diagnosed with ADD, ADHD. And, um, you know, most people are like, oh, who cares? Half the world has it. 
Um, I can't speak for half the world. I know the older I get, this thing is kicking my tail. Um, the, the, the inability to pay attention and to listen and to be present. I move so fast physically. I literally rely on the voice of the Holy Spirit because medicine has not been working for me. And so my breakdown moment was, I can't do these pills. They put me on three different medicines. I'm checked out. I can't function. I can't sleep. And so I said, all right, Holy Spirit, it's me and you. You said you're a comforter. You a teacher. I'm going to need you to teach me how to slow down. I'm going to need you to teach me how to be quiet or listen. And so what does that look like practically? I'll say this. I was packing um, for a trip and I'm just moving, going throughout the day. I literally heard, heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, Cherie, slow down. You're moving too fast. And I literally was able to say, all right, all right, let me do this thing a little bit slower and calm myself. This is how much I rely on the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so I don't think that that is a thing of, oh, that's so cool for that girl named Cherie Dorsett. No, I believe that is the will of God, that we have such a closeness with the voice of the Holy Spirit that he is in every moment of your day. And that looks like intentional outreaches of me silently talking to him. I'm working an Excel spreadsheet at work. All right, Holy Spirit, you know best, like how are we working this out? And the more I noticed that I started inviting him into every moment was the more he spoke and the more he speaks. And so, yes, spiritual disciplines of reading the word are important. Do that. Fasting is important. Do that. Go to church is important. Do that. But if you don't do anything, the voice of the Holy Spirit and mastering his voice and knowing what that sounds like to you throughout the day, it's everything. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think this is definitely kind of the narrative that I feel like we're coming into is inviting the Lord into our everyday, because I think just even with our world today, it's kind of like Jesus is like a part of our checklist and he's a part of what we do. And social media has become all things, all things, spiritual encouragement, all things, home management, all things, everything. And recently I came across this graphic of, um, I think it was like a picture of like this Bible and then the Bible had hands and the Bible's hands was on top of the back of a person and they were like, it was like they were praying deliverance <laughs> over the man, but the word of God was delivering the man and literally like what was coming out of him or falling out of him was like social media, like people, all these different things. And I showed my husband yesterday and I was like, babe, like this is real. Some of us need, we need deliverance from man. We need deliverance from social media. We need deliverance from opinions from people that don't have any insight into our life. We need to be delivered so that we can hear clearly what the Lord is saying to us, because this even aligned, what I wanted to ask you with even having that sensitivity to the Holy spirit, inviting him into your everyday, how has that transformed how you, how you walk in your call, right? Because as a called woman, it's not just a hat that you put on whenever you're hosting an event. This is something it's, 
it, 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 it is your identity. It is who you are, you know, and I would love for you to be able to share how the transformative power of God's healing in your life, in your identity, in your mind has really helped you to confidently accept that you are a called woman. Um, first, I want to say that um, the, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does for me is because I'm a natural striver. Um, I will naturally just outside of correction or counsel slip into striving because I'm a producer by nature. I'm very tactical and I like to see results. And so for me, relying on the Holy Spirit um, says, nope. It, it, let me make it even simple as this. When you're called to a group of women, or if you're just called to, it doesn't, it, anyone, your children, we have to master this thing called rest. Because one of the, one of the tactics that the enemy uses against people uh, that are building up the kingdom of God is, um, is, is to be burnt out. Right. And into where you have nothing to offer. You're so exhausted because you've given of yourself so much and we have to be careful. I don't have anything to offer outside of what the Holy Spirit has poured in. So me ministering should come from overflow. It should come from my time with the Lord, my experience, my journey, my breakthroughs. And so kind of getting back to your your um, your question is that I, I typically minister in the area that I have authority in. There are certain areas that people may say, um, I don't know, you know, can you teach me how to be a multimillionaire. I ain't there yet. I'll send you to, the, the, you know, <laughs> I'll send them y'all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for me, I, I can, I can tell you how to walk confidently in your most beautiful self. What does it look like on the journey of you? Um, not only find, knowing who you are, accepting it, and then walking heavy in that thing. And, and so I stick to um, the testimonies of my life. And I've found that with me doing that, I, I one of the major uh, tools that the enemy used against me was I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know why I keep, why do I keep waking up? Like just to take up space, purpose, having purpose and knowing that when God created Cherie Dorsett, he created me to solve a problem in the earth room. And then now I know what that problem is. Mm -hmm. Now I can go after that, that problem. So when I see broken women, when I see women that are like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what my call is. I don't love myself. To me, a bell is going off. I'm like, that's the problem that you're called to solve. And so it's that confidence then that rises up for me to move in what God has delivered me from. And so for, there's a, this is a key. I always, you know, when people say, I don't know what I'm called to, I always say, all right, tell me your story. Tell me your journey. And many times I believe, you know, just like Moses, God always takes us back where he delivered us out of. He took Moses right back to that wilderness and Pharaoh's house. <laughs> you know, that place of bondage. But we now have authority over it. So we're not going back as weaklings or timid. Mm -hmm. We're going back as, as deliverers. And we're going back with so much empathy yeah. mm -hmm. and so much passion and tenacity because we know what it's like to be in that bound place. So every time I, I you know, I, a woman's like, I, I love, give me the most broken, abused, you know, women that were dating narcissistic men. I'll take them. Give me, <laughs> where everybody's running away from them. Give me them. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeez, no, but like how you said that it was the testimonies of your life that really gave you the roadmap and then even kind of gave you the authority to know that, hey, this is a testimony that I have of God walking me through this. And I think it's just so creative and so just like God that it's like we all were brought into the earth, you know, the same way, right? We were birthed from a human, you know what I'm saying? And it's like we all went through childhood. We all went through puberty. We all went through all these different things, but it's also knowing, like, I think it's even asking the Lord, like, because I meet a lot of people too. And I know even for myself that at times looking back at my life, I'm like, God, okay, where is my testimony at? Right. Like to where you can become numb to what God has done because you're not really, keeping him as the focus, you get into that striving piece of like, okay, I'm this age. I've gone to college. I've earned the degree. I've started the business. God, he was my homie. He was hanging with me in it, but he's not really, you're not acknowledging him. You're not, you know, really sitting down and thinking, okay, God, if it had not been for you saving me, you know what I'm saying? Even just going way back to your life, you realize, and even this morning I was reading a devotional and it was talking about that of just like remembering even in those moments where you were scared to death and you didn't think that you were going to wake up the next morning or you didn't think that you would be like live to this day. You're here, right? You're breathing. And I think that right there is a great segue, right? To enter into of just like with, um, your passion for women and even with, with um, the ministry that you have, and you also have like a nonprofit organization for women as well, where you could talk about that too, but specifically with girl, get up, like where did that come from? And what is your heart and, you know, purpose for uh, this movement? Oh my goodness. So really quickly, I want to say about four years ago, I'm still pastoring, leading worship, leading people. I fell into a uh, a, a deep oppression. Um, some people, the doctor classified it as clinical depression, um, but I classified it as complete numbness, meaning that I didn't feel anything. If you know, I, I felt no joy, no happiness, no sorrow. I was just so empty inside. Um, and I've come to understand through therapy that we're so powerful that when we go through trauma, we have an ability to numb ourselves and it's a coping mechanism. And we have an ability to self-protect our heart from future pain. And I guess I master, I overmastered it because I did it so well where it just kind of flatlined my emotions. <laughs> and um, I, 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 again, it was another moment in my life where I just felt like I was at the bottom of the pit. And I remember uh, it was like two o'clock in the morning. I also was dealing with a bad bout of insomnia. It was like four or five night days where I just haven't slept. So I remember just crying out to the Lord in just desperation. Like, look, you're going to have to do something because we ain't living like this. <laughs> and um, that was my prayer. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? You're taking me home. What are we doing? <laughs> Listen, don't kids be okay. Cause I ain't living like this. <laughs> um, and so I remember just like just being indignant with God in a sense and um, angry and just saying, like, I need this broken. And I remember calling it a depression. But later on, I learned it wasn't. And I remember God said to me, give me 21 days. 
And um, normally, you know, someone would say, oh, glory be to God. He's going to deliver me in 21 days. I'm so arrogant and ignorant. I was mad because yeah. I know God's power. I've seen him deliver someone in a yeah. second. Why you won't make me wait 21 days? You know, <laughs> 30 days. I'm like, Jesus, yeah, like, what are we doing here? You know my inner thoughts. You could just. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Hello. And so it wasn't until the 21 days were over that I understood mm-hmm. I, you know, God can remove the symptoms that we're suffering from, but it never gets to the root of why we're in pain or why, why these symptoms exist, then we'll just live in cycles. And for me, he took me on a 21-day journey of excavating some of the most nastiest things that have been buried in my heart from childhood, adulthood, on through. And that term girl get up came from, I know it's funny, the the way God talks to me is the way I talk. You know, I'm very like, (laughs) just matter of fact. And um, the depression got so bad, I have to say that it was like two days in bed. I mean, it was really bad. And one of my assignments on those 21 days was to literally get out of bed and for five minutes, ride my bike. Now, I don't know why, like it, it was God's way of saying, can you covenant if you're going to do this, I need you to get up and commit to leaving the house for five minutes a day. And I would do that. And some days it was 459. I came right back in the house and got back in the bed. And, um, and so it was God speaking to me saying, girl, get up. And it was that 21 day. So get up for me, look like, look, look like getting out of depression, getting out of oppression, getting out of that spirit of fear. Um, he delivered me from unforgiveness, getting up out of that, right? And it's morphed into so much more because um, once we've been delivered from oppression and depression and offenses and all these things, now he's like, there's another level I want to use you in. What does it look like for you now to get up out of poverty? and begin creating that business, that dream, that innovation? What is that witty idea? And so our Girl Get Up sessions once a month have been in sessions of in-person empowerment all the way of empowering a woman from mind, body, and soul, right? We're not just going after the spiritual. We're going to go after the natural and the emotional. And so it's just been really powerful in what we've been seeing God do in these sessions for women. Six businesses have been launched out of them. Um, yes. And, um, and, and counting, let's say that Jesus. Oh my gosh. I'm like, is there, we'll definitely have to put, um, your information in the episode notes of how people can get connected and stuff like that, because I'm sure women would love to be able to be a part of, even if they're in, you know, your area to come and and visit and be a part. But as you were talking and as we get ready to close, what came to mind was the woman with the alabaster box, right? And it's like, and the song with um, Cece Winans. I love Cece Wine. I remember I will listen to her and um, it was it Helen Baylor or somebody. And I would, even as a young girl, I would hear that song and like, I would weep at just the lyrics of it because you could hear, you know, the purity of her obedience in pouring that oil on the feet of Jesus. And I think, what came to mind was you don't know the cost, right? Of the oil that a woman is carrying. And I see with even how you said yes 
you know, to those 21 days, that was a cost that you were willing to pay, even though you kind of begrudgingly was like, Jesus, why? But you still stepped out and you did it, not having all the answers, but knowing and trusting God in that moment of, okay, God, I'm so at the end of myself. I'm going to do this and I'm going to trust you with it. And because of that obedience and because of the cost that you were willing to pay, you are now being able to be a part, you're pioneering, head starting, you know, raising women up from their, you know, their dead self and reminding them of who they are. So I think that's just even a great way, you know, to, to even, to even in this conversation in regards to really encouraging women, like how would you encourage a woman right now that is at her ends meet where she's like, I've prayed, I've gone to deliverance. I'm, I'm fasting, you know, but I just feel like there's more, you know, that God is asking of me, but I'm scared. And I think if, if we could just encourage them with, with that, because even for myself personally, I, I am that woman right now, you know, of like, you know, what God you have a sense of the more, right? But you understand the cost. And when you walk with the Lord for so long, you know, okay, this cost for this next level of oil ain't going to be just a skippity doo da dee. This is you really laying yourself again to be, you know, rebirthed again. So how would you encourage a woman who is in that state of like, okay, I've been resisting, but I know that he's calling me because he's wanting to bring me to another level of dependency and intimacy with him so that I can walk out my calling in a more authority in a more way of authority and just even confidence. Yeah, it's it's a it's a loaded question. You started out with the alabaster box and the woman. Um, there's a there's a, a scripture in the Bible where I think it was Elijah where he says, I am Elijah the Tishbite, the, the man that stands in the presence of God. And um, I'm just so cuckoo. And I was like, Oh, well, uh, what would I say? And I, you know, my statement would be, you know, I am Cherie Dorset, the woman that worships at the feet of God. You know, when I see myself in, in the Lord, I just see myself as that alabaster box woman that's just broken at the feet of God. And he sees fit to stand me up in different seasons of my life and use me. But if I, for me, if I can just remain there, you know, and, and, you know, and okay, okay, we're standing up. What are we doing this season? Okay. All right. We're worshiping. Okay. What are we doing? If you could get to a point where you can literally say that I wasn't always here. I'm not going to lie. I remember God said, do you trust me? And I was like, I feel like you're trying to kill me. So no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I trust you for some things, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but when I came to the place where I literally trust God with my whole life, including my husband, my children, my job, my men, there's nothing. The journey of my life has put me in the place today to say that I literally trust God with my life. And so when promises are taking longer than I anticipated or when change is not coming when I want, I always rely back on that he is faithful and just to complete the work that he begun. And so a lot of times we get frustrated, uh, disgruntled or disengaged is because we feel like God has forgotten about us or he's really not going to stay true to his word. 
And so if we can just pull down that lie and tell the devil, he is a liar. I am high on his things to do list, right? He is going to complete the work that he has begun. I see God cooking in the kitchen for all of us, something amazing. And we may not be able to see those ingredients being put together, but he is building something for our good in the future. And so here's my encouragement. And here's what I stand on. If you find yourself at a place where you're like, I know there's greater, I keep getting prophetic words that there's greater coming. Trust God for the timing. Trust God for the preparation, right? And trust God that when that timing comes, you will be ready. Not because I'm great. I'm there's no outside of God. We already established that there's no, there's not great. <laughs> she, 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 her, she a mess, <laughs> but with God, I mean, we slaying giants. With God, you're knocking down Goliath. And so if I could give anything, I want to pass the baton of trusting in God that he not only has your past because he brought you through, you're here. He has your present, right? But he is perfecting and, and, and building something beautiful for your future as well. So the totality of your life is in his hands. Right. And so just trusting him for the timing is major. <laughs> no, that's so good. And I think the theme as we end out is you can do these things. The only way for you to do these things and to accomplish it with spiritual fruit and like fruit that will last, you know what I'm saying? Is doing it with God. Like, that's what I kept hearing you is with God. Like with God, I'm going to slay giants with God. I'm going to be the best mom with God. I'm going to answer my call. Like, and I think too, this is what I love about just even this platform and what we're creating here with, with called women is really helping women to see fully that they can't do it alone. You can't do it without Christ and you can't do it without community. You need people to remind you of who you are and you need to be reminded of who God is in your life. So Cherie, oh my gosh, y'all, wasn't this a great episode? I told y'all she was going to be dropping some, some nuggets, bombs, all that kind of stuff. So Cherie, thank you so much for being a part of the Called Women podcast. Um, I would love for you to share how women can stay in contact with you. I know that you have some really cool projects that you're working on that you have um, have released. So how can they do that? Absolutely. So we have, I do have a podcast that was released. We have 11 episodes with my husband. It's so, so good. Yeah. And so we talk about all things family, all things life, starting out with real relatable raw conversations on marriage. And that's IBL mm -hmm. podcast. Um, and you can mm -hmm. find that on YouTube, but my social media platform is um, Instagram or Facebook. You can find me there mm -hmm. um, by my name, Cherie Dorsett. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then even, even with Girl Get Up, um, is there like a website where they can get in contact with that or can they reach out to you directly? Directly. For so, yep, reach out to me directly and we do have a newsletter. Mm -hmm. So we send out a, a monthly newsletter on what we're going to be doing that month, how to connect or okay. just even how to sew. Because in the fall, mm -hmm. we have a woman's transitional home um, that yeah. has been almost a year in the making. And so, excuse me, in the springtime of 2024, will we be opening up our woman's transitional home? Um, to to women to come in, in a long-term facility and help get their lives restored. So yeah, I'm so excited. About no, that. I love it. Yeah. It's so many good things, you guys. So we'll put all the deets inside of 
of the notes for you guys because she also has a book and um and she also pastors an amazing church so we'll put the info in there too if you're in uh, her area so again thank you so much Sheree it was an honor thank you love you love you too bye What did you think of today's episode? I hope you loved it as much as I did. If you found any value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you downloaded this episode by hitting that little down arrow wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the subscribe button. If you have any big takeaways from today's episode, feel free to share it with a friend that you think would benefit from this episode. I absolutely love hearing how you feel about the episodes that I'm sharing and creating for you. So feel free to tag me on social media with any truths or breakthroughs that you have received. I love reading what you find the most value in. Thank you again for being here today. And I pray that you felt the love of God through today's episode. And always remember that you belong in God's story.